Amen. Good morning. Good to see all of you this morning and glad especially for you fellas that came out because we got 45 gals up in Prescott right now. So that's quite a quite a large group missing today, but they're having a wonderful retreat. And if I could just ask you to be praying for them as they travel back this afternoon from Prescott and their retreat. Second Samuel chapter one this morning as we continue our series on David, the worshiping warrior of God. And David is going to find himself in a new season of life. Sometimes we find ourselves in new seasons of life, whether we're prepared for them or not. And so I've entitled this message, Hope and Healing for a New Season. Hope and healing for a new season. We're going to look at five realities out of 2 Samuel chapter 1 this morning. The reality of change, the reality of death, the reality of grief, the reality of comfort, and the reality of God. And we're going to see that the reality of God especially is what can give us rest and settle us no matter what season we are in. And so let's look in to this chapter of David's life this morning. I want to do something a little bit different. I want to just read a, some verses out of this chapter, and then I just want to share from my heart this morning. So just follow along. First of all, I just want to read the first say, uh, four verses of 2 Samuel 1, after the death of Saul, when David had returned from defeating the Amalekites, he stayed at Ziklag for two days. On the third day, a man arrived from the camp of Saul with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. When he approached David, the man threw himself to the ground. David asked him, where are you coming from? And he replied, I have escaped from the camp of Israel. That word escaped, <laughs> that would have caused David's heart to sink because one does not escape from a victorious setting. David inquired, how were things going? Tell me. And he replied, the people fled from the battle and many of them fell dead. Even Saul and his son Jonathan are dead. Notice verse 12 or excuse me, verse 11, David then grabbed his own clothes and tore them as an expression of extreme grief and emotion, as did all the men who were with him. They lamented and mourned and wept and fasted until evening because Saul, his son Jonathan, the Lord's people, and the house of Israel had fallen by the sword. Verses 17 and 18. Then David chanted this lament over Saul and his son Jonathan. David, the musician and singer, chooses to express his grief in song. He gave instructions that the people of Judah should be taught the bow. Indeed, it is written down in the book of Yasher, which was a collection of ancient hero songs. And then finally, verse 25 to the end of the chapter. In this song, David says, how the warriors have fallen in the midst of battle, Jonathan lies slain on your high places. I grieve over you, my brother Jonathan. You were very dear to me. Your love was more special to me than the love of women. 
how the warriors have fallen, the weapons of war are destroyed. David knew many years before this that he was one day going to be the king of Israel. But God had never given him all the minute details of how and when that would take place. And we know that David has been fleeing from Saul for a long time. But finally we come to 2 Samuel chapter 1 and we see that Saul has now been slain in battle. David is going to enter a new season in his life. Instead of running from Saul, instead of not being the king of Israel, he's now going to step into this new role. And we're going to see in a couple of weeks that even then, his journey, if you will, is not over. In fact, it's going to be years before the entire nation of Israel embraces him as the king. In a sense, it's going to take many years of civil war in Israel for that to happen. And we also then see not only David stepping into this new season of becoming the king of Israel, but he's going to step into this new season without his best friend. And not just a friend, but when we get there, I think David is declaring that this was a once-in-a-lifetime relationship. In fact, I, I want to even say to you today that I believe that most human beings never experience the type of friendship that David and Jonathan shared. That's how unique, that's how rare this friendship was. But first of all, let's talk about then the reality of change. We don't like change, but change is part of life. Life does not stand still. All of us go from one season of life into another season. People don't stay the same. They're either changing for the better or for the worse. And our life circumstances, our life situation never stops. It's always changing, you see. In fact, keep your finger in 2 Samuel, and please go with me to the book of Ecclesiastes for just a moment. There's a passage in the book of Ecclesiastes that I think illustrates this better than maybe any other in the Bible, and it's Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It's the passage about life being seasonal. Notice what Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. For everything, there is an appointed time and an appropriate time for every activity on earth. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot what was planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace 
and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give something up as lost, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to rip and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And then Solomon goes on to say that God has placed eternity into the heart of every human being who enters into the world. Now, every human being can choose to repress that, but they are born, we are all born with the sense that this life is not all that there is, that we are made for something more than this life. And that in time, even maybe into eternity, God will show us how everything fit together. We may not see how all the different pieces of our life or other people's lives fit together in God's overall purpose and plan, but one day God will show us how it all fit together. God made us for eternity. And that while we are here on this earth, we are going to go through seasons of life. And the reality is we all have to come to grips with the fact of the reality of change. We have to learn to adapt to the changes that life will bring. And it's only as we adapt to those changes with the Lord in partnership with the Lord, that we will be able to navigate the changes of life well in an appropriate manner. Right now, all of us in this room are going through some kind of change. <laughs> We're adapting to new things. And as I said, every last one of us as human beings, none of us stays the same from day to day. We're changing daily. Hopefully, as a believer in Jesus Christ, we are becoming more like Jesus every day. But there's always going to be change. Nothing stays the same. And David was obviously in that season where it was tangible, where he could really feel the change that was coming because now he was stepping up to be king, and now he was stepping into that role, but he would not have Jonathan in his life any longer. One of the things we know, and this will lead to the next reality, is that all of us at some point in this life are going to have to say goodbye to one another. So let's talk for a moment about the reality of death. You see, that's how this chapter opens, with the death of Saul. And it's such a sad ending of a tragic life. Here was a man, actually, who started out well, but who did not end well, who chose to walk away from his God. Just the opposite of what I try to encourage many of you with is that 
You may not have started out life well or started your life out with God very well, but it's more important how you end your race than how you start. Saul didn't end his race on this earth well, but you and I can. And that's what we need to point to. How do we want to end our life? What kind of spiritual legacy are we going to leave behind? Because the reality is all of us are going to die. Hebrews 9:27, it is appointed unto men once to die and after this the judgment. All of us have to face the reality of death. In fact, let me share a couple of verses with you. First, a couple out of the book of Job. Since man's days are determined, the number of his months are under your control, God. You have set his limit, and he cannot pass it. In whose hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all the human race. And then from Psalm 139, a psalm we'll be looking at in a couple of weeks. All the days ordained for me were recorded in your scroll before one of them came into existence. No wonder Moses wrote in Psalm 90, so teach us to consider our mortality so that we might live wisely. God, make me mindful that this life is not all there is so that I can live while I'm here for what really matters, what's going to count, what's going to count for all of eternity. Help me not to live for worthless things. Help me not to invest in, in things that aren't going to matter a million years from now. Help me, as Jesus said, to lay up treasure in heaven. Help me to invest in eternal things because I'm not going to be here forever. coming to grips with the reality of death. I have seen in my 62 years on this earth that there has been a shift, especially when it comes to shielding people and especially young people from the reality of death. And I think we've done our young people and our, our future generations a disservice by trying to shield them from death because they're not prepared for it. And I'll say this, that you have to come to grips with it. It's one of the things very early in my life that actually drove me to God because I was not shielded from death. And I realized that this is part of being a human being is I've got to come to grips with this, this reality called death. And yet, when we understand the revelation of God, we understand that we don't have to fear death. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ came as a human being uh, in order to conquer death and the one who had the power of death so that he could free us for all time from the fear of death. He would say things like, I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, then you're never really going to die. You will live forever. You will have eternal life. That's why Paul could write, for me to live as Christ, to die is gain. And Jesus forever transformed how people can look at death 
when he said to the thief on the cross who placed his faith in Christ that day, today you will be with me in paradise. To be absent from the body is to be present with our God. Death is not something I have to fear. Death, in fact, is a promotion for the believer. Death is leaving this broken world behind, and it's going to glory to be with Jesus. But that means I have to make that preparation ahead of time. See, heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I'm also coming back so that I can get you and take you to be where I am. But we've got to make that preparation ahead of time. We've got to trust Christ as our Savior. And listen, my friends, I've been a pastor for 40 years. I've done funerals for every age imaginable, from babies all the way up. I think the oldest person I ever did a service for was a gal in our church in New York. She was 104 before she passed away. Of course, I was, it was really a great relationship that I had with her for many years up to the point she passed away because one of the connections we had is she actually was alive and talked to people that were in the Civil War. So you know my interest. I was like, tell me all you know. She was great. The first service I ever did, though, in New York as a pastor after I took that church was a 10-year-old girl who died when a snow fort collapsed that her and her friends were, and she suffocated to death. Listen, death, it can come at any time. Any time. And David had to deal not only with the reality of change, but with the reality of death of Saul and his friend Jonathan. He had to come to grips with that. Because as I said, all of us are going to have to come to grips with the fact that we're all going to be saying goodbye to one another at some point in our life. Because change comes. And nothing ever stays the same. So how can we have hope and healing in every season? Only through God. Only through God. When we partner with God, when we have a relationship with God, when we have fellowship with God, then the changes that life brings doesn't rock our world. And when death comes, either for us or those around us, it's not that we don't grieve. So let me move to the next reality. The reality of grief or grieving. You saw it here in the text. In verse 12, or verse 11, David's intense reaction to this, to this tragic news. Again, it was an expression of extreme grief and emotion. He grabbed his clothes and tore them. They lamented and wept and fasted over their loss. Look at verse 26. I grieve over you my brother Jonathan. This word means to experience deep emotional pain. Listen, folks. 
No matter whether you're talking about the loss of a person or the loss of anything, we have to learn the reality of grief and grieving. But we have to do it in the right way. There is a healthy way to grieve the losses in our life and an unhealthy way to grieve. And the Bible gives us the proper way to grieve our losses, no matter what they are. Because if we don't learn to grieve our losses properly, it can mess us up our whole life. It can literally debilitate us. It can prevent us from carrying out the purpose for why God put us here in the first place. Yes, we grieve. And listen, it's, we need to learn to express our grief. So often we hold it in. We don't let our grief out. One thing I appreciate about David here and those around him were, they expressed their grief. Let me talk especially to men today. It's okay to cry. It's okay to weep. It's not unmanly. In fact, it's a maturing thing, you see. It's a sign of maturity when we can grieve and weep over our losses. Because if you hold all that emotion in, it's going to come out in some way down the road. And it's not going to come out in a healthy way. It's going to be expressed in unhealthy ways. Notice even Jesus, when he approached the tomb of his friend Lazarus who had died, he wept. He wept even knowing that he was going to raise him from the dead. And you know what the crowd around there said about Jesus when they saw him weeping? They said, see how much he loved him? Because Jesus was struck by the fact that this was never God's intent. Standing at the tomb of someone that he loved, that's not what God intended when he brought Adam and Eve into the world. He never intended for death. Death was the result of their choice of sin and disobedience. That was never part of God's ultimate plan. Grief. And the Bible tells us to grieve as those who have hope, not as those who have no hope. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks on Wednesday night out of our study of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. To learn how to grieve in hope. The thing that is most valuable to each of us, our relationship with God can never be taken away. God can never be taken away from us. Yes, there are things we're going to lose and all of that, but even in that, note that one of the encouragements 
for us and comfort for us as believers is when we do say goodbye to each other as believers, it's only temporary. That's one of the things that got me through when my own father died. I was 29 years old when my dad passed away. But I knew that last conversation I had with him in the hospital, I knew I was going to see him again one day in heaven. And I live in that hope and with that hope every day. Do I still grieve the loss of my dad? Absolutely. And I will tell you what I say at most of my memorial services that I do. Because every one of us is a unique human being before God, all of us will grieve uniquely. No two of us will grieve alike. So don't try to tell other people how they should grieve and don't let other people tell you how you should grieve. It's a very personal thing. And I will say this. I don't think you ever stop grieving those losses that matter the most to you. You will carry that grieving with you throughout your life. But you do not allow it to debilitate you and distract you from the purpose of why you're still here. You see? The reality of grief. But then, there's also the reality of comfort. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we may be able to comfort others with the comfort where we ourselves have been comforted by God. Let's go back. Rewind. The God of all comfort. Not some comfort, all comfort. The reality is God now understands life is going to be full of change, transitions, seasons, the reality of death, the reality of losses, besides just personal losses, and the reality of grief. But in that grief, here comes the God of all comfort. And if you and I open ourselves up to the God of all comfort, God can comfort us in a way that nothing else or no one else can. It's a supernatural comfort that he brings when he comes alongside of us. And we need to allow our God to comfort us in our losses and partner with us as we grieve. Are we partnering with God as we grieve the losses of our life? And are we allowing the God of all comfort to comfort us? Very interestingly, this word is the same word that is used for the Holy Spirit. The comforter. And it's a word that speaks about being so close to someone. Literally coming alongside of someone, and this is the way I picture it, coming alongside of someone and putting your arm around them and just walking with them through this season. God is saying, that's what I will do. I will not only minister to you as only I can minister as God and give you my supernatural comfort, 
but I ain't going anywhere. I'm just going to come alongside of you. I'm going to put my arm around you, and we're going to walk through this season together. And my presence, not only with you, but in you through the Holy Spirit, is going to give you that continual comfort that you need to navigate this season that you're going through. And then God has even a further purpose for his comforting us. Then he says, so that purpose statement, you and I will be able to comfort others with the comfort that God has given to us. We'll be able to relate to people and share the encouragement of the comfort God gave us to get us through our seasons of grief in order to encourage them and, and to be a comfort to them. In other words, it opens up ministry opportunities for us, opportunities to be there for other people. I think I've shared this with you before, and it's somewhat of a confession. By the time I was 29, I had already been a pastor for six years. And I had done quite a few memorial services in six years as a pastor. And I thought that I was being a good pastor in doing those memorial services and trying to empathize and sympathize with the people and the families that, that were going through loss. But it wasn't until my own father died and I experienced that pain that I realized I really hadn't been as sympathetic or empathetic towards those people who had suffered losses as I thought I had. That there was a whole other level there. And I, I feel like I can look back even on my ministry career and say that there was a difference in the way I related to people who were experiencing grief after the age of 29 and after my father died and before the age of 29. Because then I could look into the eyes of someone who was hurting deeply and I could relate. I knew what that pain was. But before that, I don't feel like I did. Are you opening yourself up to the God of all comfort? Allowing him to comfort. The reality is he will. I'm a testimony to it. I'm sure many of you are. You have been comforted by God in your losses in life. And you know what that's like to have that supernatural comfort just surround you and envelop you and be there for you day in and day out as you go through your seasons of grief and grieving. Which leads to one final, the reality of God. And this is really where I wanted to end up today. How can we have hope and healing in every season of life when we know that life is just constantly going to change and be unsettled? And we're never really going to be able to, you know, be too set in anything for long because something else is going to come along and, and there's constant change going on around me. How in the world can I be settled in such an unsettled state? When we 
place ourselves on the foundation of God. Hebrews chapter 13. The Bible says that things are changing. And, and it's in this context of people are being carried away by false doctrine and by false prophets. And Jesus comes along and inspires the author of Hebrews to say at this point, I will never leave you or forsake you. You, you're going to go through all these changes and people will relate to you differently throughout your life. And you never know the changes that are coming because the reality is it's coming. But I am, as God, you can always count on me. You might not be able to count on others all the time. And like David with Jonathan, his dearest friend, he may not have him for his whole life but you've got me. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And that's why then the author goes on to say, we can all say then the Lord is my helper. And we've heard David say that many times. And then you go over to verse eight, where the author says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How can we have such settledness and such confidence in every season that we go through because it's constant change when we build our lives on the unchanging God. See, God never changes. God is the one person, the one thing in our life that does not change. He's a rock. And that's why the Bible tells us to build our life upon the rock of our God because everything else and everyone else is going to change. The only way we feel safe, settled, secure, and sure is to build our life on the unchanging God. And that's what David was learning. That's what gave him hope and healing in this season was knowing that he is connected to a God that does not change. Is that true of you today, my friends? You see, tomorrow's rest actually starts today. Instead of wondering what tomorrow's gonna hold because we don't know what the future holds, I need to learn to rest in my God today. And the same God that I can rest in today will then be the same God that I can rest in every day of my life up until I see him. But I've got to deal with these realities. I've got to deal with the reality of change and death and grief. But I also have to deal with the reality of comfort and of God. That in the midst of a life that we don't know what's going to happen in the next 24 hours, and how drastically life can change in such a short amount of time, I, I can rest because I know that my God's gonna be there. He's a rock. And he'll never leave me or forsake me. And he's the same. So I know I can count on him. David needed to learn 
to deal with these realities because he was going to be the leader of Israel. He was going to be the one that people were going to look to. And they needed to have a leader that in all the changes that were going to come in the nation of Israel and all the changes that were going to come in their personal life, they needed a leader that was also rock solid because he was rock solid upon God. And that's what God calls us all to. That's why God is saying to all of us, build your life upon me. Not just for your own sake, but so all those around you, your family members, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, the, the people that you go to school with, when they see that life has brought change and new seasons into your life, and they look at you and they wonder, how can they be so at rest? How can they be so settled when, when nothing, you know, everything is always changing? That gives us opportunities to witness and testify to the reality of our God. To let other people know, it's not me. I'm not on some trip or something. I'm not on some, you know, drug. I'm on God. And it is my God and my relationship with God that is allowing me to be at rest in every season that you see me go through. Today, God is calling us to rest in him. To let the realities that are out there to affect us. To not deny these things but with him to deal with them and partner with him as we go through these seasons of our life. So may we do that and sort of nail some things down today. Take, take the worship that we've already experienced and the word of God and let it be this this firmly fixed nail, as Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, that you sort of drive into the ground. Let yourself be planted and rooted in God like never before. Because there is no God like our God. We've sung about his graciousness. We've sung about his greatness. We've sung about his goodness. Now we're just getting ready to sing about how awesome he is. So I'm going to ask Nicole and our worship team to come now. And as they get settled here on the platform, I'm going to ask you to stand with me and join me in prayer. God, I pray today that, Lord, we... would not deny the realities that are in front of us and around us. God, many times human beings deny reality and do not accept the reality that you have revealed because they can't handle it. They don't know how to deal with it. But God, you are, are very clear that you can give us the hard realities of life on earth but yet knowing, Lord, that you're in our midst and that you're in our life, 
Lord, we can, we can navigate it. You give us the capacity. You give us the ability beyond ourselves to be able to handle any reality that comes into our life. And so, Lord, today, I pray that even though we've talked about some hard, difficult things, life and death, that God, beyond all that, that we're focused on you. And that, God, we are planting ourselves and rooting ourselves in you. And that, Lord, in a very changing world, you are unchanging. That's why we can always find our rest in you. Help us to do that today, God. Solidify us, strengthen us as only you can do, God. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.